Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Have you been listening? Do you know what sport we're actually playing? Whoa, 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 whoa. I was number nine. Don't be putting me down at number 11. Back in the day, I defeated Dwayne The Rock Johnson twice. The Paralympics almost has more power than the Olympics ever will be. I'm not really a fun kind of guy. doesn't really like people. Come on then, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast with me, Tom, and my friend, Avtar. How are you, Avtar? I'm fine, how are you? Good, thanks. Technowood School is a school for autistic children and young adults and we have set this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. Before we start, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Daily American Podcast. This is another great podcast where Dan interviews people from around the world who have very interesting stories of struggle in life, overcoming challenges and battling through tough times. So please go and check out the Daily American Podcast. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a legend in the game of cricket, He's a former England player, umpire, England coach, and now Sky Sports commentator. Welcome to the podcast, David Lloyd. Thank you. Looking forward to it. So before we start, how do you want us to, Is it David, Dave, Bumble? Uh, anywhere you like. Um, you know, keep it formal. You can call it David. I can tell you why I'm called Bumble, and it's going back to the 1960s. And it's a bit like uh, The Simpsons is now. They were a caricature programme called the Bumblies. It was in the 60s with a chap called Michael Benteen and all the listeners would remember the goons and Michael Benteen was one of the goons and he had a little programme called the Bumblies and apparently I look like him. <laughs> well, we have actually just watched a YouTube clip of the uh, the Bumblies and uh, maybe a slight similarity, not much though, really. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't watch it for a start, but... <laughs> It's it's one of them things that's just stuck with me, and I've got four kids, and one of them 
and has adopted the nickname as well. He, he, the eldest one, he's, he, he's called Bumble as well. It's a funny nickname. <laughs> yeah. When you were a child, did you always want to be a cricketer? Oh, no, I wanted to be a footballer all the way. And it, it, it's, a, it's a real good question, that, because people would also, you know, the, the, cricket is my business. It, it, it's been my business since I was 15, a, a young lad and joining Lancashire. But there's a big difference. My sport, if I talk about my sport, is football. I'm, I'm a football fanatic. I, I'm, I'm one of these guys that will just watch football all day and, and talk about football, and I'm really interested in it. Whereas, you know, I've got to, I can tell you this, I know you won't let it go any further. If cricket's on telly, I don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you're a big Accrington Stanley fan, is that right? Yeah, I've been involved at Stanley for a long, long time, uh, through thin and a lot thinner than that. But now we're doing okay. We've got a new owner. We've got a fabulous bloke who's a mate of mine, Andy Holt. He's a new owner. We've got a beautiful stadium. It's a lovely stadium. And we're in League One. Used actually played for Accrington Stanley during the 60s, didn't you? Oh, I did. I mean, that's... Because, it, it, again, it, it's where I'm from. I'm from Accrington. And it's a real tight community up there. Every, every, everybody sort of knows everybody and knows each other's business. So I'm, I'm one of them guys that, you know, if you just say, which team do you support? Well, I support Accrington because I'm from Accrington. Um, I watch football all the time, as I've said. And, you know, it was a real thrill uh, when I was a young lad, I was a decent footballer and, and I got to play for Accrington Stanley. So not not when they were in the league, it was when they were in non-league football in, in what was called the Lancashire Combination. So, you know, I've still got scrapbooks about that and, and you know, I look at it and, and, you know, with great pride that that I played for the local town team. Am I right in thinking, Bumble? I, I read an inter- interview with you, you did a few years ago, and you, you played with George Best. Yes, yes, I did. I played a, a, a match which I'm very proud. It's on this form that I've got a picture of me and George coming out of the dugout together. And it was a charity game over over Blackpool Way, I think it was. And and you know, you talk tactics and you meet everybody, and we had a sort of manager. I said, What what sort of formation are we playing? To which this manager said, Look, when you get it, just give it George. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I've never, I've never got to saw him play. Was he as good as everyone says he is? Let me tell you, he's one of the greatest I've ever seen. But it's an absolute tragedy that that bloke died. He was a lovely, lovely lad. As simple as you like. Just a down-to-earth, unbelievably good-looking multi-millionaire footballer. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Indeed. How to get for the cricket? How did I get into cricket? Um, I, I had when I was at school. I went to a school called Accrington Secondary Technical School, and yeah, I went. I was at the club at Accrington Cricket Club, and I was a bit of a player. I was a decent player, and they decided to send me for Lancashire Schools trials. When you went for a schools trial, you played at Old Trafford at the main Lancashire ground. I've cut a long story short. I did really well in that game. I got 50 and a four wickets. 
And so they, they actually signed me straight away. So I literally went from school, 15 and a half, round about 15 and a half, and I went straight to Lancashire. So, you know, I'm 74 now, so cricket has been my life since I was 15, and Lancashire Cricket Club gave my my first professional start, and that's who I played for for 20 years or so. So everything evolved around Accrington Cricket Club, Accrington Secondary Technical School, and then a massive step straight to Lancashire Cricket Club. Oh, well, so what are your memories of playing for uh, the Lancashire Cricket Club? Well, my memories, and going back to that time, was, you know, let, let's just think back, and, and for the two lads, this will be totally new, totally new to the two lads. No motorways. There were no motorway. Very few people, 1965, very few people had cars. And so I had to travel on the bus from Accrington to Manchester on three buses before I got to my place of work. And I'm carrying my kit bag with all my cricket stuff in. And so my first memory is that really, logistically, how do you get to the ground? Well, I, you know, I, there was no motorway. I had to go through Haslingdon, through the little villages, the mill towns, through Bury, through Presswich, Whitefield, into the centre of Manchester, through the centre of Manchester, and out to the other side to Old Trafford. So, you know, it was quite an event on a daily basis, every day, getting to Manchester to play. Blimey, I've been, been involved some early starts. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, the, the bus that I'd catch will be the six o'clock. Um, and it was a double-decker, and it stopped. Or I, I can remember it used to stop at nearly every lamppost. <laughs> stop everywhere. I heard, Bimble, um that you told a story about, I think it was a former Lancashire teammate, uh, David Green, and how he was, was one of the funniest, or the funniest cricketer you ever played with. He, he was. He, he's passed away a few years ago, David Green. He was sharp. One of these chaps that could pick the Daily Telegraph crossword up and finish it in an hour. Um, and he had a great wit. He was a, a wonderful wordsmith. He finished up, he, when he finished playing cricket, he reported cricket for the Daily Telegraph. But he, he, he had a sharp wit, was wonderful with words, and he kept everybody amused in the changing room, which, again, for the two lads, that in, that changing room is your place. If, if you're a team, and in italics, team, now that's your place, and nobody really gets in there. It's by invitation only. I imagine with him and you in the dressing room, there was lots of funny stories and, and jokes going about. Well, I, I was, at that time, I was just a young lad and I was a listener, but... I would say that, you know, the, the sense of humour and the confidence that, that I've probably gained would be initially through to this lad, David Green. He was an outrageous character. And he actually played, he played rugby at a good standard. He played rugby for Sale, which I, I, I'm not a rugby follower, but I believe that Sale were a very good team. What are your memories of playing for England? Well, again, Tom, just to, to play for England, it's a lifetime ambition. You know, it's, I think for a professional sportsman, 
ambition is is huge to, to wanting to improve and to get better and to see how far you can go to test yourself so you know when you're playing well your confidence is high and you just know in your inner self that if I keep doing this I've got to play for England they can't ignore me and of course I played um, a bit of a fairy tale the Called Lord's Cricket Ground in London. He's, they call it the home of cricket. Well, I, I made my debut there, so you know that was quite nice. I'd never been out of England. I got selected to go to Australia. Um, I'd never been out of England, and again, that was uh, such an adventure. We didn't do that very well, but it was a wonderful tour. Uh, four and a half or five months out there in Australia, having never been out of England. I've been to Wales on my holidays, and so. You know, the memories are, are, are long uh, for the opportunity to to go and visit these places, either as a player, as a coach, or, or as a commentator. You played in the Ashes in uh, Australia in 1974-75. What are your memories of that uh, series? Was that the one that you just alluded to when you travelled to Australia? Yeah, that, that was the tour. And uh, you, you, we didn't do very well as a team. Australia were much better than us. They were a much stronger team. But it was you know, a wonderful tour. And you, you make great friends. You know, I'm still very friendly with some of the Australian players of that era. And so, you know, the ability or the um, to be able to, to go to a country like Australia... And to do what you do, i.e. play cricket in front of 60 and 90,000 people. Again, it, it, it's, it's very satisfying when you do that. Of course, you, you, you want to win. I mean, the, the whole essence of playing sport is, is winning and losing. The despair when you lose and the elation when you win. But they were better than us. And, and, and so, you know, it's a, a, a good story that they beat England 4-1 on that occasion. And after after retiring from your cricketing days, you, you became an umpire. So how was the transition from being a player into an umpire? Did you find it quite easy or was it quite difficult for you? I found it very easy because as a player, you know what they're all up to. You know, it's, it's like a, a leopard changing its spots. They're, or poacher turned gamekeeper. Um, and so that, that was a, a good time for me over three years totally different now um, when I umpired you, you were the boss the umpire was the boss but in present day cricket the player uh, through the regulations and the laws of the game the player can challenge the umpire he can challenge him well when I was doing the job you never got challenged there was no DRS there were not many cameras at cricket matches and you weren't dissected with your decision making as they are now, you know, they, they do a fantastic job now, absolutely brilliant job, the umpires now, but inevitably you, you make mistakes. And that's why they write the laws that say, if in the umpire's opinion, not somebody in a commentary box and not somebody sat in a dugout, if in the umpire's opinion he's out, he's out. And is it the umpire is right even when he's wrong. Yeah. So now, you, as you just mentioned, there's DRS, there's there's cameras that look for no balls and things like that. Do you think that that's a good thing for the game of cricket, or and or do you think that it's better to be just down to the umpire's opinion rather than bringing technology? 
My personal view is that I'd rather it be down to the umpires. I think we waste an enormous amount of time on technology. Um, again, it's just the umpire's opinion in that split second. You know, that 90 mile an hour delivery that rattles into a, a pad, the cricketer's leg guard, and, and he gives a decision, he's out or not out. And then with DRS and technology, we're waiting until it's loaded up into the technical area. And then he has to look at it in slow motion 48 times. <laughs> and then he has to come up with a decision. Well, you know, you're paying, if you're at Lord's, it's premium price. It's £150 a ticket. And what you're doing at that time is just sat watching grass grow when you should be watching a game of cricket. Umpire, I can tell you this, for 20 years, it swings and roundabouts. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyway, at the end of the day, you got to trust that the umpire is going to get more right than he's going to get wrong, surely. Yeah, and, and sometimes you're on the receiving end and sometimes of a good decision and sometimes you're on the receiving end of a bad decision. I can categorically say that in 20 years playing cricket, I was never, ever out LBW. Not once. <laughs> yeah, I see that. I play cricket for my local league on Saturday. I, I'm the same, Bumble. I'm never out. I've never hit never, it. It's always, going, it's always going down leg. Yeah, always the umpire's fault. After umpiring, you have become a coach of Lancashire and then England. What sort of coach were you and did you enjoy it? Well, I certainly enjoyed it, Tom, because I, I had a great bunch of lads, a wonderful bunch of lads, some lovely, lovely characters, some funny characters, uh, some... Um, sort of demanding characters. I think when you've got a, a group of, say, 20 players, they're all not the same. They're definitely not the same. So I, I had a great time. Um, it, the memories would be fond, very fond. It was... There we are. Um, oh, there's a, a... My wife just ringing me, so I've just told the way. <laughs> You'll have to wait a bit. So, yeah, Lancashire and England coaching... Um, was again, you know, that ambition. I've come back to ambition. So I got into coaching. What do I want to do? I want to coach the national side. And, you know, we we did okay. We, we didn't have the financial clout that they've got now. They've got an enormous amount of financial clout from the broadcasting deals which are going around. We didn't have that in the 90s, but we did okay. In tour in Zimbabwe, you got in... You got in so trouble for your comment after in tour in Zimbabwe. Why do you get in trouble for? Well, I, I got in trouble in Zimbabwe for being northern, for, for being <laughs> north. And I, I was a bit plain speaking. I said exactly what I thought. And it offended one or two people, which that, that actually mortified me. I thought, well, why are they getting... What 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 have I said that's upset them? I, I I wouldn't be upset by that at all. But it did upset some people. It was good copy in the media. They thought that was marvellous that you know the media can follow up a story and make it run for quite some time. But um, all I was doing was being northern. I just said exactly what I thought. And like now, right now, I, I don't give any thought to it at all. I'm, <laughs> Don't be upset by a northern bloke. 
You must have some funny stories from your tours with England as coach. Can you tell us some of your funny stories? I'll tell you one funny story. I'll just tell you one funny story. That One of your previous questions was what sort of a coach were you? Well, I, could, I would protect my players at all costs. I would, I would sort of take the blame and leave the players. But I was quite... If, if I saw something wrong with the players... I was a bit Alex Ferguson with a hairdryer. <laughs> I would rip into a player, rip into him. And we played a game in Australia in 1997 against Australia A. So that's the B team. It's the seconds. And all their press would be saying that our seconds will beat you. Our seconds are better than you and so on. Anyway, we were running this game and Michael Atherton, for some reason, had been made captain of this. He, he relinquished the captain previously. So Alex Stewart and Nasser Hussain were resting, and we make Atherton captain. And we somehow, we were, we're running this game, we're winning the game nine, 99% of the time. And eventually, Michael Atherton opened the game up and declared when he should never have done. And to cut a long story short, Australia won. <laughs> and I didn't think we played very well. And it's round about Christmas time. And I got all the players in the dressing room after and it went round each of them. I had them sat down and I'm tearing a strip off one after another. One lad who didn't play in the game was Yorkshire's Darren Goff, who is a fantastic character. Now, I mentioned it's Christmas time. As I'm going round the, the changing room and pulling each player, you, 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 in walks Darren Goff, dressed as Father Christmas. He, he is dressed up in full Father Christmas regalia with a red suit and a beard and carrying a sack full of presents. As I'm tearing into the players, Goff is saying... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, so I found myself having a right go and tearing a strip off Father Christmas. <laughs> I bet there's not many national coaches that have torn a strip off Father Christmas with adults. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine anyone's ever told Father Christmas off. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Father Christmas is very popular. But he wasn't very popular with me when we just got beat by Australia. Yeah, I've been need to learn the art of timing. Yeah, I mean, that was true goffy. Goffy, absolutely down to a team. I'll go and cheer everybody up. I'll dress up as Father Christmas. <laughs> the Henshaws Insurance Group is one of the top 100 independent insurance brokers in the country and it's here to bring you peace in mind. We've been in business for over 50 years and have offices in Newport, Shrewsbury and Stafford. Our 45 plus strong team deals with both business and personal insurance and we offer a free, no obligation, consultations and quotations. So give us a call today. Well, I've been told to ask you about uh, a story in Portugal doing a triathlon with Dougie Brown and Phil Teflon on a bike? Yes. Yeah, we, we, I was big on fitness and we took on a fitness five day or, or a week in Portugal, just pure fitness. And I, I, what's the, it, it, we, 
you know, they call it a triathlon or something where they had to swim, cycle, run, but they were in pairs. And so Philip Tufnell was the least fit, Dougie Brown was the fittest, so we put them together. And the running cycling would be that Phil Tufnell would do the cycling, which is easier, and Dougie Brown would do the running. And there was this circuit and a lap. The thing was that Dougie Brown kept lapping Phil Tufnell and Tufnell's <laughs> on the bicycle. <laughs> and, and Dougie Brown kept going past him, kept going straight past him. But I also, ju just to let you know what, what's probably not reported too well about that, when they got the cycles, we got all these cycles, probably a dozen of them, for, and I said to our trainer, I said, I don't want them sitting down, take the saddles off. <laughs> so we took, the, we took the saddles off the bicycles and they just had to pedal and couldn't sit down. I bet they loved you that week. Oh, that was nasty, that. You then became a commentator with Sky Sports in 1999. How did that move come about, and did you find it easy straight away? Well, I've worked, I've worked on radio for a long time, for 11 years. I worked on Test Match Special on radio for a long time, so, you know, I had a good grounding with commentary and so when I finished with England in 1999 I got a call from Sky that they knew that I was finishing and they offered me a job straight away and it, it, yeah it, it was a good transition it was pretty easy it was seamless an interesting point is that on there is a di massive difference between radio commentary and television commentary, whereas obviously on radio, you've got to keep talking. You've got to talk all the time and be very descriptive and descriptive of everything that you see in front of you. So if you're doing radio commentary, you sit and watch the game outside and you're watching the periphery, you're watching the crowd, you're watching the umpires. Now on television, it's totally different. You don't watch the game. You watch a monitor. And so you're watching a television screen, whereas if I can just, if, if you're watching me on screen, that there's the game out there, but my monitor is here. So I'm, I'm watching the monitor, which is the picture that's going into your homes. So I have to comment on that picture, not necessarily on what's happening outside on the field. And the other thing, which is very, very, very important on TV, shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. Because the pictures will tell the story. Yeah. You know, there are times when there's nothing happening really in the game. Well, you don't need to say anything. There's nothing that needs to be said. You know, the camera will pan round. And, of course, there are those times when you're absolutely full on when a game's coming to its end and every delivery is an event, well, that's, you know, you, you, you sort of sit forward and, and you're in the zone. You get in that zone of, of full-on commentary. But there's many, many times where certainly our bosses at Sky would tell us less is, is more. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, with the introduction of the earpieces in the crowd, so the crowd can, can hear 
the, the Sky commentators, can't they? I notice sometimes you have a bit of fun with them. Didn't you do a marriage proposal once? Didn't you commentate yeah, over a marriage I've proposal? Done, I've done two marriage proposals. Um, and when they've got these earpieces in, they're either tuned into the radio or the TV. And so you can have, sort of have a conversation with them. And, of course, if, um, if there's a lady who sat, obviously, with her husband, he's, he's obviously her husband, and I would always say, it's good of you to bring your father with you. <laughs> <laughs> that just upsets him a little bit. Um, but, it, it, again, the, it, the whole part of it, in a seven-hour day, don't be too serious. You know, there's times when the game's just meandering along, just have a bit of fun. Um, it, of course, you, you don't start having a bit of fun when it's full on, when it's right at the end of the game or it's a big flashpoint in the game. You, you, but, you know, there's plenty of time, just have a bit of fun. You have commentated with Fred Truman. I hear you did a great impression of him. Can you show us, please? Uh, well, uh, you probably don't know who uh, uh, Fred Truman is, but uh, here I am in North Yorkshire, and uh, God's country, Yorkshire. Uh, it's where I come from, and I'm not saying I'm God, but I'm from the same country. And uh, I'd like to tell you that I was the fastest bowler, the fastest bowler that's ever drawn breath. Um, I was like lightning. <laughs> Wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> no, but there is another um, lad that lives in, Nor- in Yorkshire. He lives not far from me. He doesn't know I'm coming up here. He's called Jeffrey Boycott. Now he's from Yorkshire. Right, yes. Um, well, I'm the best player that's ever lived. As you all know, I'm the best. There's nobody better than me. Um, I am the best. And, and it's as simple as that. I like cricket. Cricket's a great game, and I were very good at it, you see. That's that's why they call me the best. And he, I know that David Lloyd, I've heard of him, uh, he wants as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> what about any more, any of your, your current Sky colleagues? Any good impressions of them? It, only Michael Hording, man. <laughs> I can do Michael Hording. He's um, isn't he, he's finished. He's did he finish last week? Commentator. It's Michael. Michael is is an unbelievably stubborn guy from Jamaica, and he's texted me and he said, "Look, that's the end for me, and I'll see you around the traps." And we had dinner, and he said, "I finish after this game," but he hasn't retired. He will not use the word retire. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so complicated. But have you retired or not, Norma? I'm not retired. I'm just not doing it anymore. <laughs> so, well, that's the same, isn't it? <laughs> but he, he, he says, no, I haven't retired. Um, I didn't retire as a player, and I'm not retiring as a commentator, but I'm not doing it either again. <laughs> Fair anyway, leaving these options open. What do you enjoy most about commentating? What do I enjoy most? I, I enjoy being with me mates. Let, let me say that. I'll enjoy being with my pals. I get a good seat. I've got a... I mean, I'm elevated, looking right down the ground. And, you know, we have some fun. We've got a good crew. We work hard. It, it, it makes it... 
it makes it easier when you've got a good crew, a good team of commentators. And so we bounce off each other well. The other thing, which is very, very, very important, particularly um, from Sky, which is who I work for, I can say what I want. I've got editorial freedom. Now, I've got to tell you that I've worked in on the IPL in India. Now, you don't have editorial freedom. You Sometimes you're told, don't say that, and we want you to say this. That, that's not me. I just want to be myself. And when you've got editorial freedom, you're allowed to be yourself. Sounds good, now. I think you do that very well, Bumble. We've got some quick-fire questions we want to ask you about some of your Sky Sports colleagues, if you wouldn't mind, mind answering them. Yeah. So, out of your colleagues at the moment, who would you take on a night out? Rob Key. You're stranded on a desert island for a month. Who do you want to be with? Isha Gua. <laughs> who is the funniest? Rob Key. Who is the most intelligent? Michael Atherton. And you've got into a fight. Who do you want behind you to back you up? Michael Atherton. <laughs> I noticed NASA was none of the answers. No, N- NASA. NASA. <laughs> NASA is one of the great human beings. He, is, he, he has got this reputation that he's careful with his money, that he's tight. He, he's not. He's a very generous lad, NASA, but he, he plays up to it. He's got a wicked, sharp sense of humour. Um, one of the greatest England captains we've had. But he's unpredictable. He, he can be miserable at times. So come on now, there's, there's three different types of, well, four different types of cricket. So you've got Test, mm-hmm. One Day, 2020, now the 100. Have you got a favourite? Yeah, I, I like test cricket. I think, you know, the, there's all sorts of things about test cricket and, and the, the clues in the word test. It, it is a massive test to the players. I think it's also a good social game for meeting friends. Over a five-day period, you can dip into the game, you can dip out of the game. And I think the social aspect of test match cricket is excellent. I think T20 is great fun. I think that, that T20 is wonderful fun for for everybody, really, young and old. The, the new format, the 100, is interesting because you can't get away from the fact that when you look around the crowd, there are so many young families. Now, I think that's a big plus, that, that you, you're getting young families turning up at a decent hour to a fast game, and, it, 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 you know, the attention span is good and it's an encouragement for young boys and girls to to get into cricket and to play cricket. The one that, you know, if I had to say that I'm least, that I least like is the 50 over game. Because I can tell you how a 50 over game would evolve. There's a formula to it. Now, you know, I don't like, a formula to a game when I can actually say well this will happen that will happen and then it'll all finish up like this and that's how they tend to be 50 over matches where the rest of it is as I say it's fun for T20 it's lovely entertainment for families the 100 and a test match is an absolute test you enjoy singing as well 
especially the song Sweet Caroline. Could you give us a bit of singing now? Do you want to sing it with me, Tom? Sure. You know, do you know it starts where it began? Yeah. After three, <laughs> one, two, three. Where, where it, it began. began. <laughs> I can't, I can't begin to know when, but then I know it's going strong. Was in the spring, spring and spring began the summer. Who could have believed you'd come along? Hands, touching hands, reaching out. Touching me, I think there's a new career here for all of us. I yeah. think we like take that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wembley is definitely beckoning. <laughs> um, slightly more serious. We saw you singing um, last week and then a few years ago with Freddie Flintoff around the ground. Do you enjoy that side of it? Do you enjoy the, the interacting with the crowd? Yeah, I do. And, and again, that, that was 2020 finals day and Andrew Flintoff was convinced that he was Elvis Presley. I did, I did a bit of Johnny Cash. And, you know, the, there was a real buff to that, a real thrill to it because... You know, there's 25,000 people on, and you're a, a lousy singer, and you're getting all them going. And, and they all love it. You know, you, I can't sing, but I can have a go at singing. I love karaoke. But, you know, you can stand in front of 25,000 people, and they'll all have a go. Every one of them having a go. I remember watching that, and, and you didn't fall over like Freddie, so you didn't embarrass yourself like Freddie Flintoff did. He was full of it. He, he wanted, he said, I want a proper suit. I want a proper Elvis suit. He said, I can sing Suspicious Minds. And he forgot the words. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed as well, in 2017, you won Commentator of the Year Award. Do you remind your, your current colleagues of that every now and then? Um, you know, that, that was a, a big moment for me because I, got, I found out in, I was in New Zealand in a place called Raglan, which was, Raglan's a bit like, New Key, the big surfing place, and I found out there, and I mean that I got quite emotional about that because it's it's one of these independent things. But you know, since then I've I've won other awards. I won a BAFTA at the British Tele- Film and Television Awards, which is, you know, then it's like a mask, a big brass mask, which I've got. It's very proudly displayed at home, and to to win Commentator of the Year and then to win a BAFTA just for spouting off about cricket, he's quite special. Well, that's amazing. And it just shows that you're a very enjoyable character and character. And I love listening to you commentate Bumble. So you thank you. thoroughly deserve the award. Okay. If you can chance one war of cricket, what will it be? Oh, t- yeah. T- great question. That is a great question. You've touched a nerve here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Time wasting. Time wasting. There's one rule in cricket, uh, and it, it's already written down. Now listen to this carefully. The rule says that when the bowler is at the end of his normal run, the batsman has to be ready. 
Now, it stops there. That's it. That's the law. When the bowler is at the end of his run, the batsman has to be ready. I would add another sentence to that. If he isn't, just bowl. If he isn't there, just bowl. He'll soon get there and it'll speed the game up. Because every now and again, you'll get mid-over after ball two, the batsman will just walk down and start having a chat. That would never happen. Under my rule, that would never happen because they wouldn't have time for a chat. The ball is at the end of his run, ball. You know what irritates me when I'm when I'm at the ground, I go to watch cricket quite often, is you take middle stump. Middle stump doesn't move. Every single time a batsman's on strike, they ask for middle again, mark it again. Next ball, ask for middle, mark it again. And it seems to waste so much time. They go down, pat the pitch, have a chat. Well, my, my rule, my rule, it's Adam stops all that. Just he'll just ball. I don't, I don't care whether you're scratching your mark, asking for your guard, talking to your mate. I'm going to bowl. Right, we've come on to the last question. I bumble if that's okay with you. And it's a very short question. Mm-hmm. Ashes predictions. Australia. Yeah, um, we need two opening batters. I've seen one this week, Daniel Beldrummond. Our two openers are not not solid enough. Uh, they're not giving good enough starts. And I think Beldrummond would be a better player in Australia than he is in England. But I've just heard the news this morning that the Australian Prime Minister is not going to make any special exceptions, COVID-wise, for cricketers. So it's watch this space because I think a number of hours will say, well, we're not going. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because they will find the find 16 who will go. But you, you be prepared that some of the big players would say, I'm not going. Don't worry. The, the 11 will go or 16 will go and it might not be the number one team. What's your what's your thoughts on that, Bumble? I know, take COVID, pretend COVID's not here. You play cricket in England during the summer and then in the winter you go away to India, Sri Lanka, Australia. So you play cricket 12 months of the year. And if you're a Ben Stokes, a Joe Root, Josh Butler, you're playing different formats of the game. So you are away from your family a lot of the time. Do you think there needs to be more account taken into to that or, or not? Well, I think you, you, you manage it. Um, it, it it's a, a good debate. You manage that sort of thing. I'm slightly old school. It's your job. You're paid very well. It's what you chose to do. And many, many people around the world travel for the business. And I think, you know, they, they do get time off. But the, the, the big point that you made there about COVID, just, to, you know, put COVID aside, that, that, that it's, it, this is different with COVID, yeah. with the bubbles and the isolation and so on. But in normal circumstances, it's your job. I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast to your onto your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed speaking with you, and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. 
Can I just say to you two lads, I think you've been absolutely fantastic. I, I do these podcasts all the time and I can't wait to get out of them. I think you two have been superb, absolutely brilliant. Well done. Thank yeah, you. They, they are amazing. And they've, they've developed and learned so many skills from doing it as well. So thank you so much. But they are really, truly the stars of the show. Good lads. Oh, Dave. Yeah, you've done fantastically well. Very proud of you. Bumble's just gone, guys. How did you feel that podcast went? Tom, I'll start with you. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, lo- I loved everything about it, really, and um, how formal everything was and the, f- the flow of everything. I yeah. enjoyed everything about it. Good. What are your thoughts, Avatar? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it's great. My favourite bit is that singing uh, Sweet Caroline, and then um, I like my favourite bit is that um, his voice character, and then... Um, yeah, I like it. Oh, the Fred Truman one. Yeah, Fred Truman. It was really funny, that, wasn't yeah, it? I that one, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to be George's, on... Hey, uh, George's Jeffrey Boycott as well. Oh, that's drugs. <laughs> I don't think Simon Cowell's going to be approaching us for a record deal anytime soon, is no, it? No, sadly not. I've got to say, I was a bit mortified when I suddenly remembered that we were singing this song and I thought, I don't know how it starts. <laughs> oh, wait, I, I kind of know how the chorus goes. That's uh, probably, you know, but only the first line. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, was hoping lead us into it and then we just all go into the chorus <laughs> yeah it was really good he was he was really really interesting speaking he was a fabulous character wasn't he he was really good thank you so much to everyone for listening to the episode and our episodes are released every Tuesday so please subscribe to the podcast please join us on social media just search TWS Sports Podcast you can send us an email if you have a question or a story at twssportspodcast.hotmail.com and we've got some stories to, to read out now, actually. So we put a post on our Facebook group um, a few weeks, I think last week, to ask for your stories of a I was there moment. So you've got in touch with us with an I was there moment. So these are moments where you might be in a stadium or on the pitch or on the golf course or whatever. And you, it was a moment that you'll never forget. So our first one comes from Martin Waters, who says his dad took him to Wembley to watch England v. Columbia. And he saw... Rene Higuata's scorpion kick live. Do you remember that night? Do you remember the goalkeeper? Oh, well, yeah. Scorpion kicking? Yeah. I actually know what a scorpion kick is as well. <laughs> I know. Why Why would you do that? Why didn't you just catch it? But I suppose it's a very memorable moment and he's now going to be famous forever for that scorpion kick, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah I suppose if you're there and you're in the moment and you, you know you can do it, why not? Why not? I'd like to see David De Gea do it on the weekend. That'd be pretty cool. And our next story, this is quite of a, well, it's a bit of a sad story, but it's a positive ending. It comes from Dave Moyle, who says he went to watch Tottenham Hotspur play in the FA Cup semi-final a few years ago. And just before half-time, Bolton player Fabrice Mwamba collapsed on the floor with no one near him. No one knew what was happening at first, but it quickly became apparent that he was having a cardiac arrest. A fan, a Tottenham Hotspur fan, ran onto the pitch who just happened to be a cardiologist at London Chest Hospital. who went onto the pitch. Fabrice Mwamba's heart stopped for 78 minutes and the crowd did not know what was happening but were singing his name. Luckily, Fabrice pulled through and is here today but I'll never forget that moment at White Hart Lane. And that happened in the Euros just gone. Christian Eriksen collapsed for, for quite a while on the pitch but luckily, paramedics there and, and he's still with us today. So it's quite scary, isn't it? You, you see these really fit young footballers and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And these medical conditions that they're just totally unaware of. It's, uh, it, it is quite scary. Uh, can I have my own moment? Of course you can, Nigel. Thank you. I was actually a, a crowd marshal at the 1985 Ryder Cup. 
which was the first uh, year that Europe had actually won the uh, Ryder Cup. And it was there at the Belfry. And uh, I remember Tony Jacklin was the captain there and he was all shaking the champagne. And then there's uh, the Concorde, which was going to fly the uh, American team uh, back home, did a flyover, a really low flyover, uh, passed uh, over the course, passed all the crowd and passed all of us. It was an amazing moment. Really loved that. Brilliant. I remember I went to the Ryder Cup in 2010 at Carlton Manor and it was an incredible experience. That was another one. You, Europe won that as well and that was that was fantastic. Oh, it's always wonderful when the home team win. So thank you so much for that, boys. We really enjoyed it and we will see you all next week. See you soon. All right. See you soon. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.